You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, October 11th, and last week it was Dallas week. This week, it's Make Fun of Dallas Week, which is arguably way, way better. Uh, Joining me to talk about this awesome 49ers team that's making every opponent look straight up silly through the first five weeks of the season is John Chapman and Wayne Breezy. What's going on, guys? We here, baby. (laughs) Look, we here. We destroyed Dallas. And I'm ready to destroy the Browns. Like, that's that. I'm just ready to destroy every team on this freaking, you know, season. Like, that's that's what it comes down to. The Niners are looking good. They're looking hot. And still, I don't think that they're in their stride yet. Like, I, I, they, I, they're gearing up. After the bye, it's going to be on and popping. Yeah. And one of the things I really, really like is, you know, you always get scared of, like, trap games. And with the Niners just blowing everybody out, it's like, oh, could this be one where maybe whatever? But then you look at the Browns and their defense, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, we thought the Cowboys' defense was. That's what the Browns' defense is. And so there, there's still some things that the Niners can go out and prove. Um, there's still some, you know, Miles Garrett. Is he better than Nick Bosa? All that kind of talk and whatever else. So there's still a lot of take um, here. So the Niners got something to go fight for. Yeah, I'm glad you guys all mentioned that because that's definitely something we'll be talking about today. One, how good they're looking. Have they hit that stride? Can they keep it rolling? And also, this Browns defense definitely going to be a big test for the 49ers. So we'll get into all of that. But really quickly, I just wanted to talk about this. And I know a lot of people who you know, are on social media or on Twitter have probably already seen it. But I figure, hey, it's fun to include it again because George Kittle had Micah Parsons feeling some type of way after uh, he wore that F Dallas t-shirt and showing it off on the field for Sunday's game after scoring three tutties. Um, And and I think what I want to talk about is Debo's response, because that's probably the best part of it all. He was on Kay Adams show as he is weekly every Tuesday. And he had this in response. My God, but I'm going to say this. Laugh now, cry later. We got something for that. Just trust. If we see them again, just trust. And we're going to put it just like that. I ain't going to put too much on it. You're going to make it personal. We can make it personal. Hey, uh, How you know, personal it was already, is it? It was already personal before the game started. Now, um, 42 to 10, I don't think you like want to see us again. It might be a little bit worse. <laughs> He could have stopped it right there. Like. He's Michael. I, he's not. Yeah, yeah. He's Micah, not. He's he's not joking. I mean, he's oh he's serious. <laughs> the the 49ers only needed three quarters, pretty much, to to lay 42 points on their dome. And should have yeah, been 49, it, but uh, right? They could have they could have gotten one more. Could have been 49. That would have been great. But all that to say. I, I don't know what Michael Parsons is on because it wasn't even like the most ridiculous thing that he said after the game. He also said, uh, I don't think the 49ers are at a higher level than us. I think we're the same caliber team, same talent, same standards. I just feel like we need to reconsider and fix some things. The score doesn't really show what happened out there. He's um, right, but in a worse <laughs> way than he thinks. Yeah, it should have been worse. That's true. We That's have Sam Donald I mean, out there. Like maybe if the score was closer, you could say something like that. Like, oh, we like we just beat ourselves, kind of thing. But this was a generational beatdown. Thirty-two points. I'm pretty sure I saw that was like the biggest loss in the history of these two teams playing, uh, or at least like within the rivalry. So I don't know what planet of Delulu, uh, you know, Micah Parsons is living on right now, but he needs to come back down to earth. Yeah, I think Parsons basically should have took accountability here, right? You're a leader on this team. He probably should have replaced everything with we and said I. like, Because he gets beat up every single game. He's a non-factor. Every time he plays the 49ers, it's just a terrible matchup for him because of his size. His speed doesn't help him in this game because the 49ers are hitting him with missiles from every angle. And he just can't react to the missiles that are coming at him. Great player. He's a generational talent. I love Micah Parsons. I think he's one of the best football players in the league. Until he plays the 49ers, he becomes one of the worst football 
football players in the league. And then when you come out there and you say something like this, it's like, Micah, you got your butt whipped, bro. Like, literally, like, you got your ass handed to you. Maybe say maybe say something a little different. I can't imagine what the locker room is like. Uh, the only thing I can feel is Parsons feels like that his team is better than what they showcased out there. Maybe he could have started with that and then took it back to say, hey, man, I got to be better. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But it's going to be impossible because as long as Trent Williams is playing, it's never going to happen, bro. Never. He handled them with ease. And, and, you know, it's like the old uh, attitude reflect leadership, sir, right? (laughs) Uh, From uh, Remember the Titans. Absolutely. He's just falling in line with the last three losses from the Cowboys. They get beat because they don't know how to manage the clock, right? Dak gets up there and like, no, we did everything right. It was the refs. It was the refs. Next year, they go out there. They get beat because, again, they don't know how to game manage things. What do they do? Nobody takes responsibility. They fire the best offensive coach they have and try to move on with McCarthy who doesn't know what the hell he's doing and then this year guess what your defense gets whooped why not just replicate the process Jerry Jones ain't going to take responsibility McCarthy ain't Dak sure as hell isn't this is who the Cowboys are they are front runners and all they're going to do is dispel blame because they don't want to look at me what did Micah say all I do is set the edge I don't know what the other guys are doing man we ran right at your face right at your face that's that accountability, like yeah, like, that's, that he was can't. Culture. He, he said that. Yeah, I mean, and, and you can tell, like, like if he is a leader, he's still. I mean, I know it's his third year in the league. I know he's still young, and maybe putting captain on his chest if he wears it, I don't, don't pay him any attention. But maybe he's not in that role yet because that's not what captains or leaders do. They don't. They don't throw their teams under the bus. They take accountability. Yeah, I. 100% agree. But in all seriousness, as fun as it is to, you know, make fun of the Cowboys, I'm done talking it's about them. Wow. Oh, it's a lot of fun. And I've spent, you know, the last three days doing it. Uh, but I'm I'm done. Uh, we might not even have to talk about them again this season. They need to worry about if they're going to make the playoffs or not this year. Yeah, that's what that's that's their reality right now. Um, but I want to talk about the 49ers because they deserve all the talk all the recognition and uh, based on what they're doing so far, it's a historic start for them. And I just want to throw up a little bit of some nuggets here. Just some of the streaks that they have going on right now. Shout out Nick Wagner. He always has some great uh, threads on Twitter about 49ers. But anyway, they got 15 consecutive regular season wins. That's tied for the franchise record. Christian McCaffrey, as we know, he has 14 straight games with a touchdown. That is including uh, the playoffs. There's only a handful of guys who have been able to get to this point. He's tied for third all-time there. In fact, on Sunday's game, he tied Emmitt Smith. So we, we love that for him. And they have eight consecutive games with at least 30 points. That's a franchise record, fifth all time in the NFL, and 10 consecutive regular season wins by Brock Purdy to start his young career. This is awesome. I mean, this is this just tells you everything that the 49ers are doing, and it isn't just one guy. It isn't just Christian McCaffrey, right? It's Brock Purdy. It's the entire team. Uh, I mean, there's there's not enough things that you can say about what they're doing right now. It's like, are you not entertained with the 49ers? It's just week five. It is week five, and this is what we're talking about. Um, you know, some teams – will start hot and eventually they will taper off. You know, I remember the Vikings uh, last season, but I also feel like the Vikings were frauds. That's another story. And the 49ers have kind of been on the opposite end of the spectrum. Those times where they'll start slow or they'll just come alive in the second half of the season. How are you guys feeling right now? Are you guys, I don't want to say worried, um, but like, do you feel that what we're seeing right now will eventually like, you know, taper off or level off a little bit, or can they really keep this going all season? Yeah. I mean, the Niners are hot and I think it starts at top at the top. And before you even get to the players, I mean, I think this is Kyle, this has been Kyle Shanahan's plan for years. It's been set and it was always just getting the right players into the right place at the right time. And so now when you get a quarterback like Brock Purdy, Someone that, you know, Kyle doesn't ne- not necessarily have to mold, right? He's already this 
this this this sculptured figure and now it's just chiseling right like it's just it's just little things the fine details that you're trying to get Brock Purdy into and each and every game when there's a different defensive game plan coming at him he's finding a way to ace the test and what do I mean by acing the test I mean the kid is going out and getting his team into position to score 30 points like every game like that's I, I think literally in the locker room that's a goal guys we get into 30 today we get into 30 today we get into 30 today like like that right there they're like yo we get to 30 we don't lose like that's a crazy ass team locker room goal yo 30 we don't lose and before they even got to 30 in the Dallas Cowboy game and I know you don't want to talk about it but before they even got to 30 points in that game I guarantee you they felt like they had that game in the bag like so like the Niners are on this crazy trajectory. I don't think they're de necessarily paying attention to all the historical, uh, you know, accolades or, or, or milestones that they can get, but they're there, and I'm sure that they talk about it. It's mentioned. But I think they just go out there and play for one another, period. And you hear it. You heard Fred Warner in the huddle pregame. You saw Danny Gray with no equipment on, locked in, like, like he was one of the links in the chain, right? You, you, you see these players literally playing for each other week in and week out. And I think right there is the most scariest thing or the most dangerous thing. And I'm not saying no other team does it, but the 49ers are doing it. They're proving it. And they go out each and every week and continue to make strides. Even when they look weak, they're still strong. That's crazy. And that's that weakest link part, right? Who's the weakest link? Well, if it's this player, no worry. We're still tied together. We're going to make sure that we bond that weak link. We take over and we stay strong. And they find ways to win. They find ways to come, um, uh, act, you know, get over the adversity and things like that. So the 49ers are just too hot to trot. And I just don't see how anyone is going to be if the because it starts with the coach when you see Kyle Shanahan grinning and smiling with the Grinch smile like uh-huh you thought you had me on that one nah son I got you this one's in the bag even the trickery play in the bag mm -hmm. and you heard Richard Sherman talk about hey man that was the Trey special that was you think about it that's a Trey Lance play he's throwing that post down there and Richard Sherman talked about it but they added a little wrinkle because they felt like hey Dallas knew and that's what they played they played the post next thing you know George Kittle boom 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 underneath bam outruns everybody boom touchdown on that play so look it's so amazing to watch this team week in and week out. And I think the faithful finally are in that comfort zone. And I think we're at the point, like, we don't even care if we lose or when we lose. The team looks freaking amazing. And I, I think that's all we care about at this point. Yeah, they're in a different space than everybody else. Uh, ben Baldwin put out a graphic where... <clears throat> The NFL against, you know, every single team against an average opponent on a neutral site, what the average spread would be. The 49ers were one, of course, 8.8 .8 points. That's what they're favored against just an average opponent. You look at it this week, traveling to Cleveland after a bye week, still favored by six points, which says one Cleveland's below average, which they're two and two. They have a great defense. Their quarterback's a mess. They lost Nick Chubb, whatever else. But at some point, the Niners, I hate to say this, are going to lose a game. They're, they're not going to go 17-0 and then 3-0 in the playoffs and Super Bowl. Like That's just probably not going to happen because the NFL, the ball bounces your way sometimes. Being the best where the Niners are now, you got a target. Every single team is going to play their best game against you, not the Cowboys because they're soft, but everybody else is trying to bring their A game. All the punches, trick plays, everything else. And so for that the Niners are in control. There's no doubt about it. Do I think the Niners going to win three games this year? I don't think they will. They're totally a, a, a cut above anybody else in the NFL currently. Now, having said that, you do have that three-week stretch that will determine everything in the NFC when you've got Seattle, Eagles, Seattle, back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back weeks. So as long as you can continue to build that cushion up to that point, the rest is just details, kind of like what Wayne said. Yeah, and, and I don't think I'm talking about dropping a game because, yeah, I, I think I know, like, this team will eventually, like, drop one. Um, and I think we're okay with that because I, I think we see what this what level this team is playing at. It's just bound to happen. Like, that's okay. Um, but I just mean, like, if they start to lose more games than they're winning or if, if we see that they're just not at the same level of looking like a Super Bowl winning team. But I, I got to tell you, like, I, I really don't feel like that's in the realm of possibility for the 49ers <laughs> right now, unless 
like injuries or something happen, right? Like I think they could keep this up. And I think it's because right now the 49ers are playing with a different purpose. They they know who they are. They know they're a Super Bowl caliber team. And this year, they're really not messing around with their chances of getting there. And not just get there, but get that number one seed. Because I think they saw last year how important that was, getting that home field advantage on the way there is big. And like I said, they're not trying to mess, mess around. They don't want to leave any doubt in anyone's minds, including themselves, that they can do this. And so, yeah, I think injuries would be the only thing that can derail this team. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to knock on wood really quick and to ensure that it stays that way because, you know, up to this point, we've had some, you know, good good uh, luck, I could say, and we want that to keep rolling. So I, I also do think that part of the luck with the injury so far is because we're not seeing hospital balls from the quarterback. I'm going to just say that. But uh, <laughs> I had one additional nugget to share on this team, all right? The 49ers are the only team this year with positive DVOA in every game. And, you know, I, I know Wayne, John, you guys all know like what DVOA is, but for the viewers who maybe don't, um, that pretty much means defense adjusted value over average. It's just a way of measuring a team's success compared to the league average. So if you see it as a percentage, if it's a positive percentage, that means how much percentage they are uh, better than the league average. If it's negative, that means that's how much worse they are than the league average. So in their first five games, the 49ers are positive DVOA in each one. Not only are they positive, they are over 25% DVOA in all of their first five games. That's part of the reason that their average margin of victory right now is 19.8 points, right? And they're giving everybody a beatdown right now. Equal opportunity ass kick-ins from this team. And their DVOA metrics through five weeks Overall, their first, their offense is second, defense seventh, special teams ninth. Only team in the NFL with a top 10 unit in all three phases of the game. The team's just on fire. Yeah. Like The numbers don't lie. I know we do, but numbers don't. And you see it week in and week out, right? And so, like, what's going to happen this weekend where we're going to face a tougher opponent? But this is the cool thing, right? We're going to face a tougher defense. Let me start by that. But no one's talking about how bad their offense is and how great our defense is. And so if their defense is on the field 95% of the time, I guarantee you their defense won't remain number one, right? And their number one, obviously, they had the bye week. I am probably kind of want to see what it would be like if they had played five games. Would they be under the Niners or whatnot? They have a crazy inferior pass rush, but I feel like the Niners are going to go out there this weekend, adjust, adjust, adjust. And that is what we're not measuring. We're not talking about the adjustments. I guarantee you week three, uh, the Niners weren't preparing for the blitz. Like, I don't think they thought that the Giants were going to send the kitchen sink 85% of the time. I just don't think they did. But my point is they're finding ways to adjust and it starts with the head coach. It starts with, then it goes down to the quarterback and Brock Purdy and him being able to make the adjustments on the fly. We talk about it each and every week right here on the Steph and John and Wayne show. He's just an on the fly type of person. He's an ad lib type of person. And so because of that ability, I feel like the Niners' chances and all those statistics that you just talked about, that's why they remain high. That's why our chances of winning remain high is because we have the ability to adjust. You take away Christian McCaffrey, meaning he gets 50 yards in a game, cool, no problem. We'll just throw it to this guy because you don't have anybody to match up against George Kittle because he's just better than your whole damn secondary. So, like, at the end of the day, like, they just figure out ways to – Find the wrinkle and take advantage or, you know, exploit it or take, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. That's what they what do. What are you going to give us? We'll take that because we have assets mm -hmm. everywhere. And if you want to take this player away, cool. It's going to be a Debo game. Oh, you want to take that away? Cool. That's going to be an IU game. Oh, you can't stop everything? Jordan Mason just comes and punches you in the face. It's Steph, <laughs> you talked about we beat teams by more than 19 points a game. 11 teams in the NFL don't even average 19 points a game scored. One of those teams is the Cleveland Browns. We, we beat teams by more than they score per week. Wow. And their quarterback and running backs out. Like, 
It's just not fair at this point. In the salary cap era, this isn't supposed to happen. But the Niners have gotten people to buy in and people like Kittle restructure for no money up front. Eric Armstead restructure, Mm -hmm. no money up front. You even got retired players, and I know nobody wants to hear this name, but you got people like D. Ford three years ago to restructure for no money up front, even though he's done in the NFL just so you can keep Trent Williams. And I know people want to like bad talk D because he was always injured. We don't have Trent Williams right now if D wasn't unselfish three years ago. And so the culture... You know, Wayne said, starts with the head coach, whether that's player adjustments or keeping players around this system. It's just different. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I want to take a second here to shift over to Brock Purdy, because I think a lot of what's happening on offense is due to, you know, some of the things that he's doing on the field and how he's operating this offense right now. He continues to silence the doubters and the doubters keep trying to move the goalposts. Oh, but if it was Mac Jones in this offense, he'd be doing the same thing. No, he would not. Oh, but we haven't seen him play from behind. We have. You just didn't notice because it hasn't lasted very long. The the 49ers have only played from behind for one minute and 45 seconds this season. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's not even a commercial break. (laughs) He he and the 49ers defense are so good. They don't need to play from behind. Are we really going to hold that against him now? Like, come on, people. Another week of very impressive throws from Brock Purdy. Big boy throws. And it was nationally televised, and I love that because we need more people seeing what Brock is doing. He isn't just the system quarterback. He isn't just, you know, product of Kyle Shanahan and the weapons that he has around him. It certainly helps, but if you look at what he's doing on the field, he's doing way more than that and I say it I'm a broken record he is raising the ceiling of this offense and it's because of what he's able to do so far and I I want to throw this up here too this is our weekly Brock Purdy update shout out Al Sacco um, oh, he's awesome right now passer rating first at 123.1 quarterback rating 83.7 also first and in, no interceptions still all right uh touchdown passes he has nine that's tied for seventh in the league yards per 10 this season he is 9.3 that ranks second in the league yards overall 1,271 that ranks eighth among quarterbacks completion percentage 72.1 percent that's good for second in the league and I want to ask you guys is it time to put Brock Purdy in the MVP conversation yeah I mean he already is uh it's gonna come down to voters uh and I think you you said something a couple of minutes ago like you know playing in prime time and doing it in prime time, which will allow the majority to see you play. Now, I feel like if you're in this football world or if you're in the world of voting, you should already know. You should be watching every single game and knowing exactly who Brock Purdy is and what Brock Purdy's abilities and he's capable of doing out there week in and week out. But how can you not talk about Brock Purdy being in the MVP conversation? And possibly he should be leading the MVP MVP conversation, whether his stats are all number ones or not. That shouldn't matter because when you look at the end of the day, and I know it's an individual vote, but you have to look at the team. Like, where's the team? Oh, first, they first, they first, tie first, right? Five and no. So, like, that should help as well. And, you know, we talk about how great, you know, you know our 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 weapons are Christian McCaffrey. These guys. Has anybody else watched all twenty two like we have and watched finally see a quarterback actually throw open the wide receiver? Like not throw it to the wide receiver, but throw it to a spot to where the wide receiver can go get it. I mean, are we not? I mean, I see you put the stuff out, Steph. You know what I'm saying? And the, like, look at this throw. Like he's throwing it there and. Ayuk's going to get it like that's the difference like we haven't seen that in forever I mean when we saw it a little bit with Jimmy when we had Emmanuel Sanders that was a trust thing but we're seeing it a lot now with Brock Purdy and that again is another scary statistic right that to me that's like oh shoot now he's throwing people open all right last week it was oh my gosh he's throwing the ball down the field now he's throwing down the field and he's throwing people open it's not a 50 50 ball it's still he's seeing zone he says hey i'm throwing it there i'm gonna throw it there i'm gonna get hit in the face but you get there i trust you're gonna get there bam catch and the my favorite throw and i gotta talk about the dallas gang it's the last thing i watched my favorite throw was the two throws back to back oh we got a holding penalty spencer burford no problem man i'm mad at you but i'm not gonna hold you against it right now we go we'll talk about it after the game tell you what Brent, let's do it again 
Come on. This kid is a, a monster. Like, you can't, you got to, where's the factor of heart? Where's the factor of all that? So all of that, to me, goes into the MVP category as well. I know that's not a statistic you can you can vote on, but Brock Purdy, and I'm not saying it because he's a 49er. I'm just saying, like, he's playing very great football, MVP football. Yeah, and 26 million people were watching that beatdown and him do whatever he wanted. Oh, there we go. I don't want to leave off those 100,000. Can't leave off the 100,000. But he went from seventh MVP odds to fourth. And, you know, he passed Lamar Jackson. He passed Josh Allen. He passed Justin Herbert. He's ahead of those guys now. And he's pretty he's he's pretty close in the top four guys. The, the numbers are similar. Patrick Mahomes, Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy. And the, there's not a big gap there so he's in the conversation now but you got to continue is he going to have four touchdown games all the time no but you know you continue to be consistent and when josh allen fumbles the game away or when justin herbert fumbles the game away or any of those things you just it's addition by subtraction because you're consistent you're not giving the haters anything to take away from you you are consistently amazing which brock has been since he showed up so yeah, he needs to be in the consideration right now. If the you know award ended right now, I don't think he'd win. But that's who, this is what Brock win? has done at every stage win? of his career. Just show just up. Curious. Who who do you think would win right now if 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 voting started after week five? Just curious. Probably Tua. Yeah, I Tua or say. Mahomes. Probably Tua. Yeah, I was gonna say Tua. Mahomes will always be in that conversation, but he doesn't even look the same. I know they're yeah. winning. Yeah. I know they're finding ways to win, but he's not giving me the MVP status type of a season. But because of who he is and what he continues to do, I get it. But Tua would probably be number one. But it's also because he's playing with – I'm not going to say that he lost two All-Stars too. He just right. lost two yeah. all-stars. He lost right. his left tackles on IR and Devin A-Chain, the rookie and, phenom. He he's just on IR. So now we're about to see the real Tua – you know what I'm saying? How can he overcome this type of adversity? And if he does, I can see why he may still be leading. But listen, Brock Purdy should be top three. I don't know why he's four. He should be top three easily. Yeah, I agree. He's literally the most efficient quarterback in football right now by a very, very wide wow. margin. For the YouTube viewers right now, you see uh, early down EPA per play on the what? What axis is that? Is that a Y or X? I, I don't. Why is up? Why is up? Yeah. Yes. So that's yeah. yeah. The early down EPA per play, and you see Brock Purdy's like way ahead on that one. And then on the uh, you said Y is vertical. Mm-hmm. Yes. So on the on the Y axis, you see third down and fourth down EPA per play, and Brock Purdy's way up there, higher than anybody else as well. So, man, this is what I'm saying. Like he's he's operating this offense at a crazy clip, better than we've ever seen, and it's it's just exciting, man. I, I'm gonna throw out a couple more Brock Purdy nuggets for you. He had an off-target percentage of 4.3 on Sunday that was the lowest of his young career he's at 11.5 percent for the season that's that's one pass a game that's off one pass a game that's what that equates to pretty much and you know what's crazy is like he was just coming off a game where he only had one incompletion and I think I like it's fair to say that on Sunday night that was probably even more impressive than that game right? Because just some of the throws that he was making, you consider the defense he was going up against as well. He's still cooking in the intermediate levels of the field. He was five for seven, 105 yards, two touchdowns in the intermediate level. And that's 10 to 19 yards. So he's cooking. He's still cooking in that section. And he has a perfect passer rating of 158.3 in that level as well. So uh, I saw this other thing too, and I'll just, uh, I wasn't able to put it up on a slide, but Peter King was on 95.7 the game, and he said, quote, Kyle Shanahan feels comfortable calling everything with Brock Purdy. When I say everything, I mean the deep throws that maybe people weren't sure he'd be calling a lot of, end quote. And I think we're seeing that too. That's another reason to feel good about not just what the team's doing, but the offense in particular, because we're we're seeing – there was one particular play. I think it was like a third and two. He had Debo come open, you know, uh, on a crosser that would have gotten him the first down. 
he hits Juwan Jennings for like a way bigger game. That was my second uh, down favorite the left sideline. Yeah, mm-hmm. th- and this is what I'm saying. Like, yes, that would have been a positive play Three. had he hit Debo, but he is looking downfield. He is trying to. He's not just trying to do more. He is doing more. And he's doing it, I, I think, at, at an impressive uh, pace right now. And we got to remember, like, he's still a very young quarterback. He's just going to continue to get better. That should be scary for the rest of the league. Man, I, I know. I'm sorry. The whole time you were going through those numbers, like, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, okay, who is this kid? Like, we, I like <laughs> comps from whenever I do my draft work and stuff. And watching the film, and I know this is probably blasphemy. I don't give a damn. This is primetime Drew Brees. Right now, already. That, that's well, what Willie Willie Sneed like. has Willie Sneed has compared him to to Drew Brees too. Who is, he has played with with Brees, so he's hey, a little he's bit more shifty. But yeah. I'm telling the efficiency, the being able to lock down where the man coverage matchup is, the throwing with anticipation. Uh, it's just it. We we've seen this. We have seen this in the past, and it's crazy that he's already there. The kid's 23 years old. I I, th- I think the only negative aspects of Brock Purdy would be like his measurables, right? Because I'm just curious to know, like, if he was a little bit taller, would some of his balls get <clears throat> batted down? Like, like, could he see a little bit more over that offensive line? Which isn't massive, big, but like, I think that's the only negative thing I can think about, like, with Brock Purdy. So he. You saw in the Dallas Cowboy game, he found a way to adjust, right? So it's not like it, it hindered him. There were a couple of drives that were stalled due to passes batted down. And so that, to me, is something that he'll probably try to figure out how to work on. Will Will Kyle get bootlegs out to the right, out to the left? Will be longer drop back so that he can see things and let things to develop? I don't know. All I know is, to me, that's kind of like his only thing I would ask him to kind of like pay attention to because those those third downs that those balls got batted down were probably going to equate to first downs right like you, if you yeah. just look at the trajectory and how the offense offense was flowing like the 49ers literally which is this is this is the craziest thing and I know I can probably I'm not making it up but I know it didn't happen but the craziest feeling that I had was that the 49ers looked like they they could score on every drive yeah. Like, that's scary. Like, that, to me, is what's so scary. Like, they get the ball. Oh, and remember us back in the day, we were like, oh, please, please win the coin toss. We wanted the first. Yeah. Please, please. <laughs> yep. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You want to win the coin. You can win the coin toss. We'll just put eight, nine, 10, 11 plays together and score a touchdown on you first. Like, that is the mindset. And the you said comfort. That is the comfortability. I'm making up my own word. That is the comfort zone of our head coach, Kyle Shanahan. You know why? It's not because Brock or he's just comfortable with Brock. It's because he trusts what Brock sees out there on the football field. Brock's vision, if you go back to Madden, what, 2013, when they had quarterback vision in the game, and if you sucked, it was really skinny. But if you were really good, it's like wide open like the Red Sea. Brock has got that wide open Red Sea vision. And if you're saying he's letting plays develop downfield because he sees the underneath route for the first down, but he sees his guy getting open, beating man coverage, or finding a spot in the zone to sit, how many times do we see wide receivers wide open? Like, in a zone, in a spot, and boom. That's crazy. I like the Skeeto reference, by the way. Thank you, brother. Look, Wayne, you you mentioned something that I, I want to touch on really quickly because you you pointed out the fact that okay, you want to win the coin toss, fine. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the game on Sunday. The fact that the Cowboys won the toss and they were like, we're gonna have their offense go first because in their minds they're like, our our defense, we like that matchup like all day, right? And what did the 49ers offense do? They marched down the field and they scored immediately. The game was never the same from that point on because, you know, the Cowboys at that point had to play from behind the rest of the game. And that opened things up for the defense, right? Halftime here. I want to, you know, check on some of these comments here. David V, shout out for being a member. I think this is John's channel, right? Uh, CC, that's you. What is the CC? Uh, yeah. Countdown Hashtag crew. countdown crew. Yeah, yeah. That's countdown what we do. We do a bunch crew. of giveaways, okay. which, yeah. Thank you, David. You are incredible, my friend. It 951 in the house. Ooh. I don't know what's, I don't know where that is. 951. 951. 
gotta look that one up. I gotta figure that out. Hey, the faithful are everywhere, man. You you find every crevice of the earth; they're gonna be there. Uh, this comment from Rory, I had a star because so I was like, Yo, this is so true. So the 49ers are boring in the best way because they're just pounding teams. Like lightweight. I'm like, you know, this is kind of like every single week we're just talking about how good this team is. Like. <laughs> I'm getting kind of tired of it. No, 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 no. Well, we're uh, so but, used to the heartbreak kids and, yes, oh, my gosh, yes. that was exhausting. We won. And, and yeah. now it's just like, all right, next, next, next. I, I, I don't get boring because yeah. the moment Sam Darnold came in the game, I was like, please let him throw. Please let him throw. <laughs> I want to see. No, not that throw. It was when he first came in. It was handoff, handoff. Please, please. I want to see Sam do the same things. Like, that's what I want to see. Like, and I was like, dang, yo, because I just wanted 50. I just wanted to get to 50. I don't, I, I wanted to go for it, get a touchdown, go yeah. for two, and just put the stamp, sign, seal, deliver. Because you know what I wanted? And I know we we destroyed the Cowboys. I literally wanted to take their souls. And, and like, literally just take their soul, and they will never get it back. Like, they would have to go to hell to get it. And that, I just feel like at this point, like, you already got Micah Parsons saying crazy stuff out of his mouth. And I'm sure they're like, what are you talking about? But at the end of the day, like, I, I just want one time for Kyle Shanahan to just like snatch the soul so that way that team will fear you each and every time they come out there and play you maybe that's how, that's what they did but that's what I was hoping the for. sad thing is Jerry Jones and souls don't go together point um, I'm just point saying made. I'm point just going to throw that out there you get, you get the bell on that that's a point, <laughs> yeah, that's a point well Wayne to your point too like you said this team you don't think they've hit their stride yet I, they could I, be better right can you, so can you imagine it, it could come can you imagine if, again, go back to the drives that were stalled due to not, well, I guess you can credit Dallas defense, right? Because they were able to get those balls batted down. But when did Dallas literally, really defensively have any type of control over the game? I don't even care when the score was 14-7. What did the offense do? Yeah. Go back down, march down on the field, put up another like another seven, and go up by 14 at the half, knowing Dallas was going to get the ball back. And then they still yeah. took control. You go back to the first play of the game, what happened? McCaffrey for a big game. Then it was an even bigger game because they dumbasses face masked us. Second week in a row, he gets face masked, gets the 15 yards, boom, extends the the, the drive. Like, it, it's it's just like they're just they're literally out there not in there to their full stride. I think they're still getting into some type of a rhythm, but it's an it's a, it's an irregular rhythm that we've never seen before because everything they do is working. So like you got heartbeats, you got irregular heartbeats, but you're still living, you're still breathing, you're still healthy, you're still out there making things work. And that's the 49ers and to to the comment that came up earlier, maybe that's why it's it's boring, but to me it's just weird. I just want to see boom, 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 heartbeat one time. And maybe they just slow pace it. They take what's given to them, and then they hit the level. But I felt like, to me, defensively, I know a lot of people were happy about the 42 points. I was more excited about the 10 points given up. And at the end of the day, it probably only should have been three. You can talk about Isaiah Oliver getting beat by, by a burner in the end zone uh, in, in the slot. But at the end of the day, like the defense, to me were the real stars out there on that football field yep um and i know you mentioned the face mask for cmc Callie here asked do y'all think cmc is getting targeted i know there were some rumblings that players on the team seem to think that they were trying Chris to take McCaffrey's him out. getting targeted um and as you mentioned it's, this is the second week in a row now that he's gotten face masked and i think like some other things uh but I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know what I think. Like it. It wouldn't surprise me just because he's that good. That might be any team's chance to win a game if if he's not there. But I'd I'd hate to think that's the case. There was an ankle roll in this game, and then there was. They don't call targeting in the NFL, do they? That's just they a college do. thing. They, they, oh, they, can, they do, but, but it's not really called, right? Like, yeah, yeah not different. really. Because you saw the hit to the helmet. I felt like he was dazed and confused. After that, they gave him the ball the next play. They gave him the ball right on the next play. Come on. <laughs> and I bet you that was Christian McCaffrey. Like, like, give me the ball yeah. back. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But um, he scored a touchdown later. But at the end of the day, like, I just feel like they're trying to take him out. They have to. Like that, you they they feel like if we can take out Christian McCaffrey, 
we have a chance, but then the team still rushes for 170 yards with the Jordan Mason and uh, Debo Samuel and and the other, and TDP. Like they still find a way to put up a buck seventy. So it's not just Christian McCaffrey; it's the concept of the way the 49ers are trying to run the ball. Yes, Christian McCaffrey is going to give you the the explosive plays. He's the more he's the best back on the football team but the 49ers will rush if they can rush they will rush on you it doesn't matter who it is and they yeah it. I, I, you know whenever teams like prepare for a week you do a full team meeting and the coaches put a cut up tape together of the opposing team offense defense special teams and i don't know i i, I think i might be in a minority on this one but if you if i was let's say the browns and i'm doing a cut up of the 49ers i'm showing plays of Jawan jennings drake greenlaw hufunga fred warner who rip people's heads off every damn play and play like they're trying to kill people and so I put this cut up together. I'm saying, look, guys, you're playing the most physical team in the NFL, maybe in the past decade. This is what is on the horizon. So I'm I'm I don't think that he's being targeted. There might be some players that are, and there might be some teams. There's Sean Payton's in the world, there's Greg Williams in the world. They exist. We understand that. But I don't know. I think we're we were we freaking slamming Tony Pollard out of bounds, which I loved like that. I love those things. I want the violence. And so if you're going to dish it out, you got to take some. And sadly, that's going to fall on CMC because you can't do that to Drake Greenlaw and those other guys I mentioned. But I don't know. I, I think the Niners have set the tone. We're going to beat your ass consistently physically. And I think some teams don't know how to respond to that level of physicality. So then they get desperate. And that's what we're seeing. I don't think they're trying to target. I think they're trying to match, but it's just not who they are. That's uh, does that make any sense, or am I a crazy yeah. person? I know I'm a crazy person. Yeah, but. It, it, it makes all the sense. Um, but you know, you, I don't know. I I don't. I didn't see them play any of the other players like in that particular type of way. Mm-hmm. Like I like, and I'm not saying that the face masking. I I feel like that those are incidental. But when you the, the the actual targeting call, like the actual hit to the helmet, like that is what I'm questioning. Like that's what I'm quite, and it was relatively early, right? It was before the second, uh, for the, the uh, first half Ace even ended. Was early too, yeah. yeah. Both those were early. So, like, I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying that they go out there and target, but I guarantee you, their game plan is to take him out by any means necessary, and they're going to be a little bit more rough on the team's. Most valuable player, like I guess, <laughs> and so it just so happens that it falls on Christian McCaffrey. But like at the end of the day, like these teams got to figure out the way to play clean. You don't see us trying to, and that used to be us, right? We used to have yeah. the late hits, like all that type of stuff, right? And so when you when you mentioned Dre Greenlaw, I mean, like like the dude's running at least ninety eight point miles per hour, and whatever <laughs> happens at the end of the play is going to happen, but he's not coming for your head. He's literally going to make a tackle. And if you get suplex, power bomb, DDT, that's, that's what's just going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Long as it's before out of bounds, we're good. And I I will say this last thing. Sorry. Tony Pollard quit after that. He was done. Done. He didn't want to play anymore. Done. We'll see. I'm mad at him though. I know you mentioned that, uh, that hit that Greenlaw had on, on Pollard and, it's a great segue because I did want to talk about Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw on this one, who they both had tremendous games on Sunday night. Fred Warner had eight tackles, one of them for loss, no missed tackles by Fred, a forced fumble, a sack, an interception. Dre Greenlaw, five tackles, two of those for loss. He was targeted as the nearest defender five times. He only gave up two catches for two yards. He also had a pass breakup. He also had a sack. So these two guys are playing some really good football and they made it so that, you know, Dallas really couldn't get anything going. Like if they were trying to run anything to the outside, good luck. Cause it's not really going far because you have these linebackers who are so freaking fast and they're going to get at everything. And with, Fred and Greenlaw having like such great performances. I've seen a lot of discussion this week about another, you know, 49ers tandem uh, linebacker tandem because, you know, we as 49er fans have been very spoiled with great linebacker play. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of wondering, can we put Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw on the same level as Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman? Now, I, before we, we debate that, <laughs> I just want, you know, I have some stats for you. Willis, first of all, he played eight seasons. He won Defensive Rookie of the Year in 20, uh, 20, 2007. Oh, my God. How do you say that 2007? year? 2007. 2000- 2007. 
I like 2007. 2007 sounds so much better, Yellow. <laughs> it just does. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that year in a long time. I can't even say it. Um, he was a seven-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, five first team and once in second team. Bowman, he played seven seasons, three-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, All-First team for him. Um, and so I don't know if they're there yet, but I was looking, I was actually comparing like Patrick Willis and Fred Warner's numbers. And Ooh. I know like it's so much more than just numbers, right? Like we talk about how you can't always like quantify the impact of a player just based solely on stats, but you know, I'm not going to play like the all 22 of Patrick Willis and Fred side by side here. So just for argument's sake, I just wanted to compare. And so Patrick Willis, like I said, eight seasons, which doesn't even seem like it was that long, right? Mm. Fred Warner's already in his sixth season right now, and it feels like he can go for, you know, a few more right now. So as far as tackles go, Willis had 950 in eight seasons. Fred Warner right now has 731 uh, tackles for loss, 63 for Willis, 37 for Warner. Look at the sacks. Patrick Willis had 20 and a half sacks in eight yeah. seasons. Fred Warner blitz. in his six has eight and a half. It's part yeah, of that yeah. three, four Vangio. Yeah, Vangio, yeah. yeah. And so that's what I'm saying, right? Like, it's, it's so hard to compare two guys. One, because they're playing in two different, like, time periods. Not that, like, 2007 was that long ago. But the position, the linebacker position has changed quite a bit since then. And I think both of these guys are asked to do very different things within their defense as well. And so it's really hard to, you know, compare the two. Uh, but I think it's it's a fun argument because, like, only 49er fans can think, like, oh, is Fred Warner at the level of Patrick Willis? Because, again, we've been so spoiled with great linebacker play. Yeah, I mean, if you just – Focus on the position, the LB, the linebacker. I would say that Fred Warner is playing at the level of a Patrick Willis. Will he surpass some of these stats? Yes, of course he is. I think Fred Warner, because of the way and the style that he plays the actual position in today's football, has the ability to probably outdo him in tackles. Uh, as far as tackles for a law. That's a little different, right? Because uh, he's more in, uh, he has to play more coverage because today's football is different. So you're going to get a lot of, even in base or nickel, a lot of receivers are going out for passes. And that's kind of like what it is. Was 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 uh, uh, Patrick Willis a good pass coverage linebacker? Yes, he was. But it was all about really taking away the run. You weren't running because that's what teams did. They had bigger running backs, mm -hmm. and those running backs were trying to get – and that's why linebackers looked bigger. They they were bigger. Yeah. They wore a different style of pads. Everything was different from 2007 to the time Fred Warner enters the league. And the reason why I feel like Fred Warner is playing at that level because you remember his rookie season, third-round draft pick. Dude was thrown into a fire. Now, rem remind you, he was a safety at BYU that converted into a linebacker. So he had the coverage skills. Now he had to learn the linebacking core about stopping the run, doing this, uh, filling the gaps, playing uh, all those different type of linebacking intangibles. The fact that he was thrown into the fire and he came out this in six seasons, look where he is, best linebacker in football. I feel like he's playing at the level of a Patrick Willis. Again, will he surpass some of these numbers? No. Uh, but if he continues to stay healthy, continues to play at this elite level of football, all-pro level, he's definitely going to be the best linebacker from the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I think the one they're different players in the fact that you know, Wayne, you talked about stopping the run and rushing the passer. That was Willis's thing. Mm -hmm. What makes Warner so different is I believe he is the best coverage linebacker of the NFL in history. Brian Urlacher kind of was that guy. He was that guy, yeah. That changed yeah. literally what coverages you can and cannot run from the middle linebacker position. Warner has taken that and elevated it. You can watch him cover one-on-one -on -one against CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup all in one game and win. And win. So, like, that's where Warner is different. Now, Patrick Willis was A1, number one, the second he stepped on the field as a rookie. Bingo. That was what was different. Warner kind of, like you said, hybrid, conversion, finally mm -hmm. got there. But, you know, he's two All-Pros in. This is going to be his third. If Fred plays this season, he's All-Pro. There's All nobody in his game. There's nobody in his game. So, if you're talking about who was the best linebacker that uh, during that time frame, 
Patrick Willis, there's no other dispute there. Fred Warner, there is no other dispute there now. Now, how long can Fred carry that over? We know Willis did it for six seasons. You talked about the five All-Pros. He missed his sixth consecutive All-Pro by one vote. One vote. And then he would have already been in the Hall of Fame, but sports writers, whatever, I don't want to get into that one because I want to be nice today. Um, Fred Warner and Patrick Willis belong as far as the top of the linebacker pyramid during their respective periods. Can Warner continue that? You look right there at the, you know, the tackles for lost sacks, tackles, that's probably not his thing. But if you look at the interceptions, mm-hmm. you look at the pass deflections, he's yeah. going to be above that. He's going to far surpass that. And it, it feels like Fred Warner, like I said, he's in his sixth season and he, it seems like he could play several more seasons. It, it seems like for Patrick Willis and Bowman, like they didn't play that long because like they both kind of dealt with injuries and whatnot. Again, different kind of era of football and whatnot. So yeah, I think Fred is on his way there for sure. You could definitely make that uh, the comparison, have the discussion right now for, you know, uh, ish and giggles, but you know, it's fun. It's fun. It, it's awesome to have the conversation We're we're lucky to be able to have it. And, you know, let's just en- enjoy greatness because, you know, we've seen it before. But let's talk about this Browns game really quickly. I know we've kind of sprinkled uh, some thoughts on it so far, but I'm getting the feeling that the Browns are trying to get the 49ers to prepare for all three of their quarterbacks. Like I know Deshaun Watson, it's been said that like, Oh, like he's probably not going to play. Okay, fine. But the 49ers, they still have to prepare for him, even for that like very slight chance. Then on the other hand, you have uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who started, uh, was it last week? He started last week. And he's the rookie who was impressive in the preseason, but he didn't look so hot last week. So now they're saying, oh, we're going to start P.J. Walker. Um, the team didn't actually say that, but there were reports that came out that, that's what they're deciding that PJ Walker would play on Sunday if Deshaun Watson cannot go. So again, like you would have to prepare for PJ Walker and Dorian Thompson Robinson too, in case they change their minds somewhere down the line. So I don't know. Do you feel like they're kind of milking this thing for what yeah, I mean? Th- it's a possibility, Steph, man. You look at it like the 49ers just need to prepare for some type of mobility from the quarterback position. It doesn't matter which one of those guys go out there and start. They all look like, I just wanted to put that out there because we've watched Deshaun Watson. He had one good game, and even in that game, he looked like right. He that's the the, the fumble backwards or some crazy like that was his last time he played uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Then the week after that, you get DTR and the rookie out there, and so I don't want the 49ers to overlook who they're playing at the quarterback position. Just be prepared for mobility. PJ Walker can scramble and run. Uh, so can DTR. We watched him do it in the preseason as well as Deshaun Watson. That was one of his attributes. Uh, who can also get the ball down the field. But look. Here's the thing. If Deshaun Watson doesn't play, like their offense will, in my opinion, be a non factor, like literally non factor. And I will say this if you guys have played fantasy football, this might not be the week you start uh, Amari Cooper because he was terrible as. He couldn't do anything with DTR out there on the football field. So that's another weapon of theirs that they could take away. And as much as I like Jerome Ford, I just don't – he's not Nick Chubb, right? So they'll have to try to figure that stuff out. So, again, you come out with the same blueprint. You take away the run. You force the quarterback to be one-dimensional. And you find a way to contain him. He's – I feel like the Cleveland Browns are going to play somewhat similar offensively like the Arizona Cardinals. I I think that is what we should be looking forward to when we play the Browns. So the Niners just got to prepare for all three and it sucks, but it is the way they are. They're built to do so. I think Steve Wilkes has his defense rolling and I think the Niners will be just fine defensively versus their offense. And I'll say this, how, who would have guessed the Niners would play against PJ Walker in consecutive seasons? Like, <laughs> right. And who does speaking of PJ Walker, who knows him better than anybody than Steve Wilkes? That's right, man. That's right. Like you get that. the, and, and so I'm not concerned. Their their offense isn't the issue. The NFL has this as the lowest over under total points scored oh my game gosh. because are the defenses serious? are incredible. It, yeah, it's supposed to be like a 21 to 14 type game if you mm. just go off of what the you know everything like it's supposed to be low scoring. It's two dominant defenses, but can you stop the 49ers from scoring 30? Like that's the thing. Like if the Niners get to 20 points in this game, I don't give a damn who's back there. Game's over. Um, can 
the Browns defense stopped them from doing this. I like that because you said that they don't even average 20 points a game. I, I like I like that. I remember. I said, I'll be listening while I'm, <laughs> while I'm watching. I'll be listening. Yeah, I mean, the it's the Browns' offense, the reason that they're 2-2 two and two right now. Otherwise, I think, like, they could probably be undefeated if they're – or are they 2-2? Two and two? No, that's not – Yeah, they are. They're 2-2. Two two two. They already had their oh, bye week. They had, they had, they had, they had, had a bye week. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Okay. So, yeah, they're 2-2. Two and two. And it's really their offense. Like their defense is really good. So if their offense was any better, they'd they'd probably have a way better record. But that's that's my point, right? Like if the how good is the Browns defense? And I think this is the biggest test for the 49ers offense so far. Way bigger test than the Dallas Cowboys were, because I mean, quite honestly, I don't know how much of a test that really was. And it's an early start time on the East Coast. Yeah, big difference. On the road. They got after seven a, plus days rest. Huge difference. They're coming off of a Sunday bye. night win. Yep, mm-hmm. they're coming off of a bye. So there's some, there's some things there that like. But yes, I'm worried only about the Cleveland defense and the 49ers offense more so than than I am about the 49ers defense going up against the Browns. And I, mean, I think naturally, I mean that's that's the right reaction. I think everybody should have. We should be talking about their defense. I mean, it's full of first round picks, right? Like at the end yeah. of the day, if they didn't get something right, it had to be the defense. And it starts with Miles Garrett, and then they added uh, Zadarius Smith on the opposite side, and then they got. I, I always mess up his name. Okonraku. I can't, I can't say his name. But then Okonraku. they have this, him. They have that kid coming in here doing what he does. But listen, look, their defenses have some type of weakness. I feel like the 49ers will find a way to exploit it. You can still run on this defense, not as much as you could run on Dallas defense. But I think the 49ers are still going to figure that out. They're going to come out with quick screens, quick throws, quick this. Get those linebackers to cover and I think that's what it is. And I like their linebackers. They got a squad. They got a core of really good linebackers. Hey, man, you remember our guy Maurice Hurst? He's out there. He's got a he's got a sack on the season. He's been relatively healthy. He was a 49er, but couldn't be healthy enough to to actually play on the roster. So they're doing some good things. The defense is the one thing you definitely want to worry about. But you know what I like? I I like Brock Purdy, and I like Brandon Ayuk over any cornerback in the league. I like Debo Samuel over any any cornerback in the league because I just feel like that is what Brock is going to do. <laughs> He's going to challenge the defense to see how really good they are. No one's mm-hmm. talking about that. So we're saying, well, can the 49ers offense put up against a good defense? Can a good defense stop a good offense? That's my question. Yeah. Not just any good offense. This, this offense who has Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, scheming things up and they finally have a quarterback who can run it all i mean yeah one thing about miles garrett really quickly i mean he's lining up mostly on the right side of the defensive formation so over the left tackle um yeah over the left tackle which is kind of the same uh, as micah parsons i was actually surprised the cowboys kept micah parsons on trent's side for as much as they did on sunday that seemed kind of counterproductive but i i have to wonder if you know, the Browns are going to do the same with Garrett, keep him on Trent's side or move him a little bit. Uh, John Feliciano might have to start in place of Aaron Banks. That's another thing to to be mindful of in this one. But also, Randy Gregory, who the 49ers traded for, you know, maybe almost just a week ago now, uh, he he's probably going to play a bit in this game, and that could help the defense potentially. I'm sure they'll ease him in, get, you know, have him there maybe for the obvious passing downs just to get him situated. But uh, what what do you guys think about this trade? Because I don't think uh, it had happened yet the last time that we had the show. So what do you guys think? Go ahead, John. Yeah, I mean, I just got my Fanatics issued jersey in the mail. Yeah, here, I see my that. Gregory, I, I see that. You know, it's, nice. it's, it's so I'm repping that bad boy. Hey, I think it's huge because Cleveland Farrell and Drake Jackson have fallen off the map yet again. I had three consecutive weeks of, I think, subpar edge play opposite of Nick Bosa. Drake Jackson was incredible week one. The injury, you know, I think he's got to be fine long term, but – you have not received good edge play opposite Bosa. Austin Bryan, in fact, who just got called up from the practice squad, played better than Drake Jackson and Cleveland Farrell put together. So you needed depth. That was the number one issue. Isaiah Oliver stepped up. So the nickel position was the weakness. But Isaiah Oliver kind of has answered that question so far. Mm-hmm. It was the defensive end. So you bring in Randy Gregory, and you got him for dirt cheap, man. You did a pick swap for next year. 
We didn't even give up a pick for him. We literally dropped back in the draft from sixth to seventh round, maybe 20 spots because we're at the back of the sixth. They're at the front of the seventh. That's simple. We're paying $1 million this year, vet minimum. He has no guarantees the next year's on his deal. This is bottom dollar bargain bin shopping, ladies and gentlemen. And if you get anything, you won the damn trade. You won the trade. So I think it's just another guy, and if this doesn't pan out, I do expect the Niners to trade again for another defensive end later down the road before the thing. But if this works out, man, absolutely love this move from the front office. And I like it too, right? It's taking a little time to grow on me, and then I had to go back and watch some of his film and say, hey, man, what are his strengths and speed, right? Like So so now we're getting speed uh, on the opposite side. It's kind of sort of what we had when we had a D4. Not as a tactician as as you know as a d forward but definitely he can give you some speed off the edge he can beat his guy get around them blah 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 uh but i like i like randy gregory and i think being under chris kosarek i think you know him being not not necessarily like fresh but he will be fresh to the 49ers rotation uh will he be the starting opposite nick bosa not sure if this week he'll earn that but i think it's something that he can earn cleveland farrell clearly isn't it and maybe we'll get more out of cleveland farrell if he's not the starter drake jackson clearly isn't it but maybe we can get more out of him if he's not the starter so like you you bring in this kid and randy gregory uh and you find a way to get to be a guy to win his one-on-ones i I think that's what it comes down to and that's something that he can do uh in the nfl he did it a lot in dallas he didn't do it much in denver and that's probably why they're trying to move on but denver was denver is denver they're gonna blame it's anyway he's now a 49er i'm happy that he's here and uh we'll we'll see what happens but now we're gonna add some speed to the pass rush and i like it Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it's definitely going to help Nick Bosa on the other side uh, get home. Uh, but hopefully the 49ers can end the weekend 6-0, and and I, I think they can, so we move. All right, John, are you going to be out there in, in Cleveland for, for this one? No, I am finally taking a traveling week off, and I'm going to chill, and I'm going to recoup. My liver is going to rest. <laughs> um, it, it's needed. It is needed. But uh, if anybody knows of any parties or tailgates, please pass that on so I can share that with everybody else because I've already got about 50 emails. Hey, where's the party at? Where's the party at? So I'm not sure where that is yet. So if anybody knows, just reach out to me, 40 Rush Podcast at gmail.com, so I could – you know, send that information out. Always about the community getting together, whether we're there or not. That's what we want to create. For sure. You heard the man. Hit him up. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for spending part of your Wednesday morning with us. As always, make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Not just mine, but John and Wayne's as well. Their links will be in the description of this video. But for now, folks, have a good rest of your Wednesday. Peace.